Good morning and welcome to the Truth About Local Government podcast. My name is Matt Masters and I will be your host today. Um, Now, really exciting weekly summary coming up. We're going to be looking at a few key topics. We're going to be looking at the recent fresh blow to Whitehall Homes pledge after funding recalled. We're going to be looking at the infrastructure levy, the ICB funding cuts. We're going to be looking at the financial woes of certain councils. Uh, and we're going to be looking over to Wiltshire at some of the fantastic work that they are doing as a council, uh, supporting refugees and those who need affordable rent. And if we get a chance, we'll also have a quick look at uh, central government not sharing the results of a pre-pandemic test run um, for a, a killer flu breakout. Um so without further ado, let's crack on and get straight into this. So um, firstly, the fresh blow to Whitehall Homes. So w- what's happened here is that uh, Homes England confirmed, uh, and as has the Department for Leveling Up, that they are withdrawing support for a £170 million housing infrastructure fund um, programme on the Who Peninsula in Medway in Kent, uh, and also a £140 million South Lancaster Growth Catalyst. Um, there's a further unnamed scheme believed to be at risk as well as having funding pulled. So that's more than 13,000 homes across Medway and Lancashire that were dependent on the Homes England funding pledge. Now, why has this happened? Construction costs have soared by 40%, um, hitting the agency's confidence the two schemes are viable and fundamentally can be delivered uh, with the same amount of funding. Uh, It comes as a a new report by the Leveling Up Housing Communities Committee last week found dropping local housing targets was endangering the government's commitment to build 300,000 homes per year. An inquiry by the committee heard evidence from planning consultants that annual house building will go down to around 150,000 a year under the government's proposed policy reforms, which include changing mandatory local housing targets to an advisory starting point and removing the requirements for a five-year supply. As you can imagine, the councils are absolutely distraught by the decision by Homes England and uh, the Department for Leveling Up to not back the schemes. Um, Council leader Vince Maple said that um, the the development, the HJF, the uh, Who Peninsula Project in Medway, was the backbone to Medway's economic and social prosperity, Um, whilst their deputy leader, Theresa Murray, has said that she was heartbroken by the decision by Homes England. There had been work by Medway to uh, rework the schemes uh, to keep the original funding envelope only 20,000 out of 270,000 homes being built through the £4.2 billion housing infrastructure fund have been started with just 35% of 124 contracted projects having fully drawn their grant so far. Seen another example of this across the country down for well, southwest in North Somerset Council last week as they agreed an extra twelve million pounds to help pay for a new ninety million pound land park bypass project. But the cash injection still only fills half of a twenty four million pound funding gap caused by unprecedented price increases linked to the pandemic, war in Ukraine and Brexit. A report to councillors and the council had asked Homes England for additional twelve million pounds to address the shortfall. It recently emerged that the Department for Leveling Up has handed back £1.9 billion originally meant to tackle England's housing crisis to the Treasury. 
Shadow Housing Secretary Lisa Nandy has said this absolutely beggars belief we are in the middle of an acute housing crisis. Now this all came about because of an expert in local government, Jack Shaw, uh, freedom of information request where he can cover this £1.9 billion. Um, you know, and he basically talks about how the government is experiencing significant challenges investing in housing because of a perfect storm in market conditions. But the decision to delay housing investment or withdraw it altogether as a result of lower than anticipated spending will mean fewer homes are built. It's absolutely critical that new homes are built across the UK that are affordable for all those in the community. But it is increasingly challenging to do so. So this obviously is a massive blow to all those involved um jumping in now to uh the integrated care board story so um for those of you unfamiliar with the integrated care boards um they were created just over a year ago and with a kind of a sole purpose well, not the sole purpose but with a purpose of um driving health equality by looking at you know partnership work around you know uh care uh the report by the king's fund charity uh has kind of done a commentary on the 30 percent cuts that the ICBs have been asked to make by April 2025. And this has been said that this will really affect their work with their with their local partners. Um, and, you know, got to consider as well that, that, that number 30% does not take into account an uplift for inflation. So the real terms cut will be significantly higher. Uh, and the resulting burden is expected to shift onto local authorities. Um, an ICB source has kind of said today in, in, in the MJ, there will be a big cut in staff numbers at the ICBs. That means looking at what functions or part of those functions they can get systems, uh, partners such as local authorities to step in and cover. But the reality is, is that councils are not going to be given any more money at the present time to deal with that. So we've got a situation where councils have got less money and we can already see further strain um, on them for the provision of care. Um, I think as well, you know, you look at police now withdrawing from mental health call-outs because they're stretched. Who steps in? And um, it fundamentally will probably be councils that have to try and bridge that gap. But um, I think we'll have to see some form of partnership work with local community groups because councils cannot, um, although they obviously would want to, to fund that gap. So on to uh, a look at the councils who are revealing cash woes um and again my uh my thoughts with this are is just a, that you know councils are equally the victims here you know in terms of they are trying to do such great work um but without that financial security and and the support from central government it's really challenging um to deliver what they're delivering with the financial uh, debt they're experiencing so guildford have highlighted that through a legacy of ambitious decisions to support infrastructure and regeneration, they've got £300 million worth of debt they're trying to deal with. Um, Southampton City Council have, have, have warned that they may have an issue with Section 114 after um, £20 million needs to be found out of the budget. Um, Nottingham City Council, they've gone over their budget by £26 million. And um, and Bradford admitted no spend of thirty million. We've seen Kent County Council uh, working to find eighty six million pounds of savings this year after a report by auditor Grant Thornton highlighted a significant forecast overspend last year, which is likely to impact on the country's the county's financial resilience. And over at the Wirral, um, the Department for Leveling Up and Communities uh, have kind of stated that uh, they need to be doing a twelve million pound disposal program 
so that it complies with the government's rules on the deals and avoids the risk of having to issue a section 114. Uh, SIPFA have been asked for comments uh, on this and the kind of the views are that the reliance on going into savings slash reserves is unsustainable. We are in a, a truly, truly dangerous situation where we're going to feel this most in the next two to three years when those reserves are depleted and councils simply have got no way to balance the books. Now, I want to go next to a really, really uh, important topic that was brought to my attention by my uh, good friend, Edward Taylor, who uh, is a development specialist leading on brownfield development sites. Um, and he said, Matt, you've got to have a look at and have a talk about the introduction or the proposed infrastructure levy, which is causing, which could cause absolute chaos to the development system. Now, to give you a bit of context, the government's proposed infrastructure levy, um, a lot of people think, you know, that sounds like an, you know, an unimportant technical change uh, as part of the levelling up and regeneration bill that's going through the House of Lords at the moment. But this could have a really wide-reaching and negative effect uh, if it goes through. It fundamentally uh, means that councils will ha- be hampered and, and may be unable to deliver affordable housing, uh, potentially undermining the ability to secure the affordable homes that the communities across the UK need to tackle the worsening homelessness crisis. So, what is the proposal? So, the current system has two main elements. You've got the Section 106 and a Community Infrastructure Levy, um, commonly referred to as Section 106 and CIL. So these elements are extremely important. However, the government is controversially seeking to replace these tried and tested processes with the new infrastructure levy, which will work very differently and is seriously flawed in the opinion of some uh, commentators, including uh, Darren Rodwell, who is the London Council Executive uh, for Regeneration, Housing and Planning. Um, they've stated that this is an unnecessary change and the current system works well. Um, the proposal essentially would mean that with the infrastructure levy, receipts being paid by developers on scheme completion rather than an application stage, with the unreasonable and unrealistic assumption that councils will borrow upfront to cover project costs in the expectation that the funds will materialise later. So essentially, councils are having to step in to fund, and they simply will not, with councils that are increasingly financially um, struggling it's not going to streamline. It's not going to simplify the process. The proposals will lead to development across the country being delayed, stalled and potentially shelved due to the complexity of the radical changes being proposed. As one example, the amount of CIL, Community Infrastructure Levy, payable currently is based simply on the floor area of the new scheme. Whereas under the Infrastructure Levy, the amount payable will be based on the value of the new scheme once it is completed, which obviously will be contested from the council side to the developer side um, and the market conditions at that point. But it goes back to the point that this fundamentally will have an impact on the ability of our you know, communities to deliver affordable housing. Um, and that affects you know, the entire community. And going on to the inability to deliver affordable housing, a council that is bucking the trend, which I just want to give a real shout out to Wiltshire Council and to their uh, leader, Richard Kluwer, um, just around the work they're doing there. They've had the issue there where, you know, um, they wanted to step in and help with the Ukrainian refugees, Afghanistan refugees, um, which is very commendable. Um, but again, not just that, to support the people in their community who needed that, you know, uh, rent at a um, an affordable level, an affordable 
um, housing. So the council has set up its own housing company, Stone Circle, to try and address some of these challenges uh, with the aim to prioritise providing homes for care leavers and key workers, including care workers. Um, So what they've essentially done is they've gone out there and they've they've bought off uh, private uh, kind of uh, uh, landlords and also reclaiming uh, council stock and bought that back in-house and managed by the council. Um, and that has allowed them to get funding also from uh, Department for Leveling Up, uh, 24 houses for Ukrainian and refugees and six for Afghanistan refugees, um, which is just absolutely commendable. And this is not a short-term approach the council's taking. It is a long-term approach that they are comfortable, even if there was to be a downturn in the housing market, even a housing crash, this is not a short-term. Uh, and as council leader Richard Clure stated, um, we are looking at the long-term over 30 years and a house price crash a house price ca- crash isn't actually relevant because the market over a long period of time has always recovered. And this is the council taking a long-term view to making housing affordable to all those within the community, which I think is absolutely fantastic. Um, and um, I do think if we look sometimes at the longer term and not on this short term, we would be putting our councils in a far better position uh, to be able to deal with the challenges that they face. Because they do face more challenges now. If you compare the challenges and the, the complexity and the number of challenges that a local authority faces uh, and the, the, where their policy must be set up, it is far more difficult than it used to be. Um, so councils need all of their uh, possible tools available. Now, part of, for me, the, the tools that need to be available is <laughs> comes simply from uh, central government sharing uh, the reports that they any information they have. And I think you know, COVID was obviously, uh, thankfully, a... Um, a unique, hopefully, situation and, and won't be repeated in our lifetimes. But um, I didn't realise this, but I found out um, Dan Peters has done a really interesting piece around this um, and Mark Lloyd, the uh, chief executive of the Local Government Association, has commented on this. But um, Whitehall ran a pandemic simulation exercise in 2016. Um, but this was kept secret from local government, which obviously is immensely unhelpful. Um, and this was found out in the UK COVID-19 inquiry recently so the report was called exercise cygnus it's a three-day dry run for a mass outbreak of killer flu found the uk's preparedness and response was not currently sufficient to cope with the extreme demands of a severe pandemic of the type that would have had a nationwide impact across all sectors so mark lloyd has said that uh, and he's the chief executive of the lga that not only was it the delay in this by two years meant that the, a lot of the stakeholders had dropped out from the government, but he criticised the government's top-down approach and how his sector tended to be brought in as a participant on a small scale rather than at the core of the exercise, adding, of course, we would like to have seen more involvement, involvement from the government, from local government. The LGA was not cited on the exercise's conclusions. Its recommendations are significant in terms of pandemic planning and all local government wishes we were cited on these recommendations earlier. I don't want to draw any assertions as to the consequence of that, but you would think that if we had shared that information, it may have helped us deal with COVID and may have saved lives. Interestingly enough, there was a recent survey done in councils in England and Wales, and they found less than one in five respondents considered they were adequately funded for a national emergency in January 2020, with 87% citing a lack of national guidance and the lack of any government reference to a potential lockdown as factors that negatively affected their pandemic preparedness Um, it's a really interesting piece and I do encourage you if you do follow Mark Lloyd he's got some really interesting comments on this piece there
But that brings that brings that brings us to a conclusion um, this week as a summary of the kind of the key issues that have been taking place across um, the UK affecting local governments. I have been your host, Matt Masters. Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, please like and share the podcast. Um, and if you have any uh, topics that you would like covered, please feel free to email me um, or add me on LinkedIn. Thank you for your time. Have a great day. Speak soon.